1: A different future starts with you. That's why
0: GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle.
1: This is Podco Media Networks. Hi there. This is Elle Wolf, host of the Further Podcast. And in this episode, I'm joined by Brian Cardin, the CMO at Envision. Brian has held senior marketing leadership roles at companies like Eloqua, Forrester Research, and Fuse. And I hope you enjoy this discussion where we talk about strategies for approaching a new marketing leadership role, as well as building great teams and thinking about talent. So I am very excited to have Brian Carden on the podcast today. Brian Carden is the CMO of Envision, And I thought it would be really fun to interview him today because by the time this episode airs, I will be working for Brian again. This will be our third time working together. I am joining Envision as the VP of Growth Marketing and I'm very excited. So thank you for joining me, Brian.
0: My pleasure. And I couldn't be happier to be working with you again, Elle. This is really my joy.
1: So fun. We're going to get to talk all about it. So I do like to start these conversations... By talking just a little bit about your background, you know, you've held a whole bunch of senior marketing roles at companies that people know about in B2B, Eliqua, Forrester. We were together at Lattice Engines. You are at Envision. You were at Fuse. So can you just talk a little bit about your path to these market? Like, what has your career arc been like? How did you get started in marketing?
0: It's actually an unusual career arc. So I went to business school and after business school, I joined a consulting firm and I became a partner there focused on sales and marketing mostly for consumer goods companies. My clients were like Ralph Lauren, Coca-Cola, Heinz, Campbell Soup. And as you might imagine, the nature of being a consultant is you travel all the time, Monday through Thursday night, maybe you're home Friday. And we had just had twin boys, and I didn't want to miss them growing up. And so I got a call one day from Spencer Stewart, and there was a CMO job for a big company called Reed Elsevier, about a $5 billion a year British-Dutch publishing and information company. They own things like Lexus Nexus and a whole bunch of other things. And so I took the job. And so what's unusual is I never grew up from a junior person in a consult in a marketing organization up to CMO. I sort of joined from being a partner, heading up large strategy consulting projects in marketing and sales and strategy, and then becoming CMO of a very big company. So it's kind of an unusual track. And so I joined a big publishing company, and it was uh, all about the transformation from physical to digital. They were a publishing company. They had magazines, advertising supported. This new thing called the World Wide Web was happening, so that was a fascinating time. And then from there, I just loved transformation, digital transformation. And so Forrester was a great place to be for about five years where they were advising companies on how that worked. And then I really was never a software marketing guy until 2008 when Joe Payne, the CEO of Eloqua, called me and was interested in talking to me about being CMO of Eloqua. So I came to a sort of a different track than most people, not having grown up and had junior roles and rising in an organization.
1: So I have to ask about that. I mean, so you find yourself all of a sudden, your first marketing job really is the CMO of this $5 billion company. Is that terrifying or like, do you feel like your career as a management consultant had really prepared you for that role?
0: I was completely ill-prepared. You know, I was really good with the slides and the analysis and the data. and you know, I was great at presenting, but you know, when you're a consultant, you don't have to live with your recommendations. There's no execution. You present to the board in a blaze of glory, great recommendations, and then you get the hell home on a plane, and they're left with all those slides, and they have to execute. And if something gets screwed up, it's not because the strategy was wrong, it's because the executed wrong. So there's no accountability at all. And how different is that from my life now? it's all about accountability. And so, you're exactly right. I was completely ill-prepared. The person who was good at doing analysis and presenting a story about company strategy and how she'd do marketing had never actually executed marketing. So, it was a very exciting time for me. You know me pretty well. So, I love to learn things and I'm fine making mistakes. And so, I get bored easily. And so, being thrown into This $5 billion British Dutch publishing company as the CMO, where we had like 600 marketers around the world. It was insane. So that was really a great experience for me. Well,
1: that's cool. You're a braver person than I am. It's a good segue, though, because I think all of that strategy and all of that stuff is actually, those are important skills as a marketer, but it is a lot about execution. I always say like how marketing gets done is largely in tactical execution. And so I want to talk a little bit about your approach to building teams. I think one of your superpowers, of course, I'm going to say this because I've been on two of your teams, but one of your superpowers is building great teams. I think we had a world-class marketing team at Eloqua that you largely built And I think we had really great talent at Lattice. So, like, you have to be sensitive when you're in a relatively new role now. You have to be sensitive to the organization that's there and the people that are there. And then you balance it out to some extent with people you know who you've worked for, you know, worked with in the past. But, like, how do you think about that? How do you assess the team and think about building a great team?
0: It's really interesting. So, I've made some misfires. One misfire sometimes is you bring in the superstar person who doesn't play nicely in the sandbox. And I would rather trade off a little bit of brain power and uh, excellence for someone who works well with others. You know it, Al. Marketing is such a team sport, not just amongst the different silos within marketing, but with sales, with finance, all the other departments of the company. So I need people who can work with other people really effectively and collaborate. The other thing I really need are people who can communicate well. You can have the best campaign in the world, but if you haven't informed the sales team, if they're not enabled to understand what's happening, you've lost completely. So, we can't operate in a silo. So, great communicators really matter. You're a good example of that. And people who really play well and want to work with other people. For me, I always ask my team about what is their next development opportunity. What do they want to learn? What do they want to do? And so, you know what I talk about. I want their tenure in my marketing team to be the golden years of their career, where they do their best work, they learn the most, and they really push themselves really far. So I want this to be sort of that graduate school where they do more and they're really excited. I want them to do the best work of their careers. And it really helps when I don't tell them what they have to do next, but they sort of work on their own development plan. I have a gap here, Brian, or I'm thinking about doing this, or I love to learn this, or could I try this? So that's what I like doing.
1: Well, I think I learned a lot from you in terms of how to manage teams. I built a great team at Path Factory and I had no involuntary turnover. People stayed and they wanted to work for me and it's a lot of what I learned from you about how to engage the people on my team and help them build a career path. And I would always say like, what do you want to do after this? Let's get you ready for that. And the thing that people don't get is like when you do that and you invest in people in that way, they will do their best work. They want to do their best work for you, right? So I totally get that. So I want to talk a little bit about sort of the types of industries you've worked in. So you did two MarTech companies, Eloqua and Lattice. We did those two together. You were most recently at a what is FU? communications
0: company. It's sort of Slack meets Zoom meets Voice, so it's a global communications company.
1: If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit vital.org today. Now you're at Envision, which is like in a totally different space. And I have been in MarTech. My past three roles were actually selling to the same buyer in roughly the same market. And so like, what's the benefit of throwing yourself into something totally new that you don't know? And what's hard about it?
0: Well, I'll tell you, as a marketer selling into marketers, I felt that I got lazy. I assumed that I knew what the buyers wanted because I was one of them. I was buying MarTech all the time. And so, when you jump into a new field like communications, selling to IT, or selling to design, or selling to CFO, you can't rely on your own personal experience. You have to do the hard work, the personas, the interviews. You have to figure out the hot buttons. What's going to get someone to open an email? What are those things that really matter to people? What do they want to learn? What do they want to do? What are their problems and challenges? So, I love that of applying the discipline. And so, I was very happy in MarTech. And I think, as a marketer, particularly our experience at Eloqua, that the spotlight was on us, like every marketer's looking at us, and we had to do everything in the best way. All of our dashboards, our campaigns, there was no room for mediocrity. And I love that—that that we really built it to a very high level. Everyone was watching, and people would say, "How does Eloqua run its own marketing?" And that was very exciting. But I like getting out of it. I also think Martech has changed pretty dramatically, and you're not seeing great exits now. And I think it's very cluttered, whatever he's doing. It just seems like a lot of point solutions out there. And the world's changed.
1: I appreciate that. I mean, I think you're totally right. It's funny. I mean, I was thinking about this toward the end of my tenure at Pathfactory, where I'm like, you sort of take it for granted. I've been marketing to the same audience forever. And I just like, you know, you just assume you know everything about them and what makes them tick. And there is a little complacency there, it's nice to think like, okay, now I have to get to know. And that's the hard part. I do think that is the hard part. It's easy to put on the clothes of someone just like you, right? It's harder when they do a totally different job that you've never done before. But that's the fun and the challenge. So I'm excited about that aspect of it.
0: And I do think some fields are better than others. I have a lot of friends going into security these days. And I think security is a bitch. Like I remember talking to Mike Volpe when he became CMO at Cyber Security. I think that was the company.
1: Cyber Reason. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cyber Reason rather. And and he said, SISO, these chief security officers, they don't have their face on LinkedIn. You can't get their phone number. They don't open anything. They certainly won't click a link. Like, these people are just subterranean human beings. Like, how do you
1: market to them? How
0: do you market to them? Yeah. And I said, Mike, what do you do every day? He says, I love that challenge. And so Mike, who had been selling to marketers his whole career at HubSpot, he was excited by the new challenge. And he sort of learned it, and he found some techniques that work very effectively. So I kind of liked that new puzzle. And I think you used the key word, complacency. I think marketers sign to marketing for too long get a little complacent. Yeah, I doing. agree
1: with that. I'd absolutely, absolutely. So everybody writes about the average tenure of a CMO. I think it's people say it's something like 43 months, which actually seems like a decent amount of time, but it's about half the tenure of a CEO. Now, you've been a CMO for a long time. Do you think, are things getting easier or are they getting harder for CMOs? What do you think?
0: I think it's getting harder. I think the role is becoming very ambiguous. I think there was some lock-in for a while. People knew what it did, and now, sometimes, they're actually separating the brand and content from demand gen being two separate areas. We see that in a few places. We see a lot of research being written about the end of the CMO. We're seeing a lot of the technology now reporting to the CIO. We're seeing a lot of interesting permutations now that's sort of next generation of how this works when it's all moved from analog to digital. And I think it's very challenging. I think the key thing is you got to talk to your board, your CEO about their expectations of marketing. Are you really the person who is putting all the messaging and the branding and the content together? Is it more about pipeline building? Is it more about sales enablement? This is whole thing about customer journey, user experience, website is also informing the product. So I think people have a lot of different expectations of what marketing does. And I think that's why there's a lot of pressure and a lot of turnover. Now, that said, my average tenure in a job is almost exactly four years, but not because I get fired, necessarily. I get bored after four years. You know, I'm a builder. Some people like to maintain things or incrementalize things. I love to take something that really hasn't emerged yet, that has a very small team, and I like to sort of build things. And so the first year is very exciting. I'm hiring new people, putting in new processes. We replace the stack, working very closely with the BDRs, the head of sales, and get that going. Second year, we're refining it. Maybe the third year, we're putting in some AI, some interesting new technologies, intent data, whatever it is. And the fourth year, I kind of look up and say, I kind of did my job. It's time to move to something new. So that's sort of how I think about it. So when I see this 43 months, it seems reasonable. Like the market has done their job. After the first year, you own it. You can't blame your predecessor. But, after four years, I think it's time to maybe move
1: on, like becoming president, unless you know sometimes we can still make that claim after eight years. No, I, I feel the same way, and I love it's funny, you know, having just gone through lots of I interviewed for a long time, and I was very picky about what I wanted to do next. And so, but I every interview, every conversation I had, mostly with CEOs, the first thing I would ask is like, what do you think marketing is there to do in your organization? Like, What do you think you're hiring a marketer to do? Because that was important to me. Like, I wanted to make sure that what I wanted to do was aligned with what their vision for marketing was, right? And that it was aligned to the kind of marketer that I am. But you're right, I think the expectations for marketers today are, it's so broad, it's so many things. So many things. Hey,
0: I'm kind of curious, would you rather work for a CEO who knows a lot about marketing or knows nothing about marketing and leaves you alone.
1: Nothing. I'd rather. Well, maybe not nothing. I mean, I was in such a great situation at Path Factory because I worked for first of all a CEO who was a great CEO and very smart but did not claim to know everything about marketing and didn't want to be meddlesome and very much believed I hired you because you're an expert in marketing. So, you know, and he certainly would give his opinion and had good things to offer, but he never tried to sort of dictate what was happening in marketing and that's why I enjoyed that role. So, I think it's really tough tough. it can be hard in martech because i think there are a lot of ceos who think that they are marketing experts and that can be really hard because do you want to be the marketer who's there running somebody else's play or do you want to try to create your own playbook so i don't know i'd kind of prefer to work for somebody who doesn't think they have it all figured out
0: yeah i find it very hard sometimes if they don't have it figured out they don't value it necessarily and so i lean a little bit more towards i want the ceo to know a little bit more about marketing and can make the case for me with the board for more funding or whatever I need to do. So I remember Joe Payne, who was a former marketer, you know, at Coca-Cola and at, I think Micro Strategy and a few other places. And he was great. He had a lot of good ideas and he was a good sounding board. Other places I've been, they know nothing at all about marketing. It's just about sales.
1: So here's the differentiator. I will say, I think the key is, and this was absolutely essential in how I thought about the search for my next role. I was not going to go to a place where marketing was Some sort of tangential thing that was attached to the side of the business. Like I wanted to go to a company where marketing was very central and where there was a belief at the highest level of the organization that marketing would be a growth driver and a differentiator. And so, I mean, I think it's possible to go to a company and work for a CEO who doesn't have tons of marketing knowledge, as long as they're a believer, as long as deep down they think marketing is really important to this business. I think it's an uphill battle if you work in an organization with a CEO who not only knows nothing about marketing, but doesn't really get it like doesn't understand that marketing can be the thing that unlocks so much growth right
0: yes exactly right
1: well i hope you enjoyed that conversation with brian carden in part two of our discussion we're going to talk about some of the key metrics that marketing leaders should really be looking at critical skills for marketing leaders and the most important piece of advice brian has ever received as a cmo i hope you join us then thanks